Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Monday, March 15th. Thanks for joining me, everyone. This is J.C. Sherbert. Hope you all had a as good of a weekend as possible. <clears throat> it was not a good one in Gamecock land. And, <clears throat> you know, shoot, guys. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It, it seems like you know, success can't really uh, <laughs> stick with everybody these days. Uh, Gamecock baseball team goes out to Texas, gets swept, swept. Gamecocks men's basketball made no noise in the SEC tournament. It was ugly. <clears throat> 76-59, they go down to bubble team Ole Miss, or, or what are they? The, the, the NCAA said they're a reserve in case somebody goes out for COVID. So I guess they're a borderline NCAA tournament team this year. Certainly, um, certainly is not good uh, to ever lose in the tournament and I don't. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't expected. But still, 17-point loss there in Nashville. The uh, the Bridgestone Arena continues to be a house of horrors for the Gamecocks, uh, which is unfortunate because they have the tournament there just about every year. But we'll see uh, sort of what happens uh, going forward with the basketball program. Um, and I'm I'm not just going to gloss over it like that. I'm going to get to the nitty gritty here in a minute. Uh, you know, quarterback recruiting is a topic we're going to get to today a little bit. Plus your mailbag questions. Uh, first of all, though, on, on the recruiting end of it, football uh, and basketball, too, the NCAA has decided to recommend lifting the dead period that we've all been in for over a year uh, as of June 1st. So uh, I think that behind the scenes, uh, you know, a lot of schools have been preparing for summer official visits. I know they have been at South Carolina. Uh, so you can start expecting some news of some scheduled visits coming around um, pretty soon. I think that's going to make a world of difference uh, for South Carolina's recruiting. I, I believe South Carolina could get toward toward the top 25 in recruiting this year. And I, because yeah, it's hard to say definitely a top 25 class because until everybody gets back out and they start being evaluated, um, you know, professionally and, and, and rankings go up, rankings go down. Uh, more guys have film, you know, I know in Florida, they have full contact spring games, um, all that good stuff. I think that, uh, you know, and you don't know how some of these guys are going to be rated. And so it's hard to plug the numbers in and all that. But I think they can get toward the top 25. I, I think it's going to be exceptionally difficult to do that while everything's kind of in a standstill, uh, you know, because there's no telling with last year's group, which if you go by the numbers on the 24-7 sports composite rankings, that's all done on a bell curve. And so – the higher rated guys in your class count more. And it's very beneficial when two or three of those guys are four-star guys, uh, just in terms of where you're ranked. So so who knows if Omega Blake or, or Nick Barrett or one of those guys we really, really like coming out of the high school level of Daly and Craig uh, comes to mind, Colby Fields. If they had been out at camps and getting evaluated, maybe their rankings would have gone up. But also – you know, you run the risk there of, you know, what if North Carolina decided they won't bear it or, or you know, and, and they got a lot of momentum in state or some other school. So you may have lost those guys. So it's, you know, you kind of, if it gets down right to it, right down to it, you, you you trade a good ranking for actually having the player on campus. But, you know, that that's why I think, you know, it's important for not only from the standpoint of, hey, 
look at what we've got going on at South Carolina. That's the message to uh, the players coming in from the staff. Uh, look at this. Look at the facilities. Look at the coaching staff. Feel the vibe because uh, it's hard to get a sense of the vibe through Zoom. Um, not only that, but also, you know, these guys are going to be going out camping at other schools, picking up other offers, um, going to things like the opening, which I don't think is going to be canceled this year, that type of thing. And, and so uh, now do I think things are going to go completely back to normal? No, I, I think there's going to be probably for the opening and things like that. Uh, just from what I'm speculating here, COVID testing and, and things like that, they don't want to have an outbreak at a camp or something like that. But as society sort of moves forward, with the uh, vaccine and things of that nature, uh, I think more and more will open up and there's no reason why it can't. I've, I've kind of felt like they should have had some limited socially distanced uh, uh, opportunities for kids to visit. Uh, and I feel bad that the 2021 kids, you know, that was basically eliminated for all those guys. Um, so now 2022 and beyond, uh, we can get back to normal with that. And I think that that's going to help South Carolina put together a good class. Now, like I said, I think it could approach top 25. I'm not guaranteeing top 25 because I just don't know. I don't know how guys are going to be evaluated. I don't know who's going to pop up. Um, it will fundamentally change people's uh, favorites and, and things of that nature as they visit schools, and we know that. So um, it's going to be kind of a Wild West deal. But, man, stay tuned because that means June, whereas last June was a disaster as far as you know, information or anything. We all, we all just sort of sat around on the podcast and on the big spur and, you know, talked about if there's going to be a football season and what's going on and, and all that good stuff. Well, now we're going to have actual things to talk about. And, and so that's, uh, that's exciting from a content consumer standpoint, which if you guys are listening to this, you're content consumers. And, and so that's a good thing. Good thing for me too, because I, I don't want to get bored like I did last summer. I was, uh, you know, it was kind of cool. March and, and April sitting around, um, you know, ha having to be at home and caught up on some concerts on YouTube and things like that. But June hit and the weather got really warm. And I was like, man, I was kind of stranded and it was, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> and I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really go anywhere until September, you know, so that was, uh, that was a sort of a brutal summer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a better summer, hopefully concerts and things like that. will get back. Um, and uh, we can all have a, a fun summertime uh, and, and not be quite as cautious uh, as we were last summer and, and also follow recruiting. Uh, I mean, I think that's uh, summer is so important in recruiting these days, especially with the early signing period and kids being able to make official visits over the summer, uh, things like that. It's very vital. And I think for Shane Beamer and his staff, uh, this is a welcome development. It's a welcome development for just about any school in the country. But if you're South Carolina, you're sort of behind the eight ball, you're trying to kind of communicate the new staff and, and what they got going on. Uh, I think there's no better way to do that than in person in that brand spanking new $50 million facility that, you know, some folks out there continue to say, well, they're not getting a return on it. Well, it, they haven't really had a chance to make it work. You have to, you know, they had one cycle uh, and it was really three fourths of that cycle when you consider like what a cycle actually is. Uh, for 2020, and they signed the 19th ranked class in the country and got Jordan Birch and, you know, everything else. I don't think Jordan Birch picked Carolina because of the facility, but I think it helped uh, with all those guys in 2020. And all those guys for 2020 have stuck, except one so far. So that's an important thing as far as football goes. I know most of you love football first and foremost, so that's why I got that out of the way. All right. Baseball. Uh, 
All right, so there's two ways to look at this, and and, and, I, and I'm kind of in the middle. There's two extremes. First extreme is same old, same old. You know, South Carolina started 11-0 by beating teams that weren't all that good, uh, including Clemson. And, you know, they finally play a good team that lost to some SEC, some, some powerhouse SEC teams early, uh, and they, they get swept. And that's unfortunate, and I definitely agree – it was extremely disappointing. They did not get out of Austin, Texas with at least one win. And Texas baseball historically has been the bane of South Carolina's existence for about 50 years. <laughs> uh, if you took that, add up all the Omaha meetings and things like that, uh, I know that nothing was really on the line. It wasn't a Big 12 series for them. It wasn't an SEC series for South Carolina. But you still, you know, that's disappointing for, for those of us that have followed this program for that long, it's disappointing not getting a win over the Longhorns. And I feel for those of you that made the trip out there uh, that Carolina did not get a victory. Um, and, and I think that, you know, some of the things we've seen from some teams in recent years, we, we saw this weekend, the inability to hit the ball, you know, first and foremost, you know, you play pretty good pitching and, and you just get shut down. And that, that wasn't cool. Four to one, three, nothing. And then eight, five on Sunday. That said, and Mark Keista talked about this, it was a lesson learned, and, and you cannot panic about getting swept uh, early in the season by anybody. Uh, we all remember some of Ray Tanner's teams that would start, what, one and five in the league? <laughs> and then there at the end, they're there. I mean, in baseball, you want to be playing your best at the end. And, you know, Carolina started out hot. And sometimes, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a superstitious baseball fan. I feel like you have – a certain amount of runs and, you know, you put up 19 against somebody, you're going to get held to one down the road. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just kind of how it is in baseball. And you hear that term all the time from people that really know the game, that's just baseball. Uh, and so that's that. Now the, the, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, there's a, there's a game against Davidson coming up midweek. Carolina could rally and hopefully win that one. Cause they, they do need some confidence. Then they got to go to Nashville, Tennessee and play the Commodores you know, which give up Vanderbilt for the last five years in the league really has been the gold standard along with Florida, which is the next weekend's opponent. So, and they come to Founders Park. So, you know, it doesn't get any easier. South Carolina really has to roll back and get back to form starting this weekend. Uh, Vandy's rated number, ranked number two in the country. It's Arkansas, Vandy, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Florida. That's your top five in the D1 baseball rankings, folks. So you got number two and number five. Gamecocks are number 16 uh, heading into the game or the series at Vandy this weekend. So, and, you know, look, I, I, I watched some of the game. I thought the pitching for the Gamecocks was good until Sunday for the most part. I thought Farr had a really good start. Um, but, you know, you, you can't just rely on that. You got you to gotta hit the baseball. <laughs> in uh in college baseball so we'll we'll talk about that more as the week goes on again Gamecocks playing Vanderbilt uh this weekend after the game with Davidson which I believe is on a Tuesday uh I, I messed up last week with the Citadel game so I'm going to double check that real quick but uh you know that's uh it, it's 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 a situation where I know that that some people are pretty disappointed uh by the the results this weekend as you should be as you should be. Um, but, yeah, David, since tomorrow night, Founders Park, SEC Network Plus, 7 p.m. first pitch. And then the Vanderbilt series is uh, 7.30, SEC Network Plus Friday, 
Uh, it is a 11 a.m. first pitch on Saturday uh, on SEC Network. And then, uh, I'm sorry, not 11 a.m., noon Eastern. That's Central Time. Noon Eastern. And then a 2 p.m. Eastern Time uh, third game uh, up there in Nashville. But we'll talk more about that later, like I said. Frank Morton. Uh, obviously, the season did not go that well. Six and 15, six wins is the lowest win total that I think I can remember. Now, keep in mind, they only played 21 games. So that's, uh, you know, six wins. I, I, I think it was probably before the McGuire era the last time they had six, or maybe it was maybe for one of Frank McGuire's early teams, I believe, went six and 17. Uh, some of you that, uh, or historians can fill me in on that. But it's been a long, long time since the Gamecocks only tasted victory in basketball six times uh, in a season. Uh, you know, they played 21 games. So, so it, you know, I, I don't know, could they have gotten to nine or ten otherwise? But it was a disaster. And uh, I don't think Frank would disagree. I don't think the players would disagree. Uh, I don't think anybody would disagree that this season was not up to snuff. So here, so here's the question. What do you do moving forward? And, and there are a lot of uh, reports out there. There's a lot of opinions out there. I think most of the fans are ready for a change. Uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's sort of fair in the way that, you know, you go to a final four, you expect this is it. This is the breakthrough. You know, South Carolina is about to be good, you know, from here on out and it doesn't happen. Uh, and then this team was supposed to be that breakthrough team because they, you know, they came in, you know, they had that 16 and 16 team that that turned it around and went 11 and seven in the league and, you know, didn't get anywhere because of the bad non-conference. But then you think, okay. And then last year, you know, that team was very competitive, you know, again, some, you know, baffling non-conference losses hurt the Gamecocks. Uh, last season, Stetson uh, really did, and then, and I've said this before, I repeat this over and over, and and this is sort of the game to me that I went uh oh about because you know the whole thing was well, Frank's figured out the league, and and Frank's winning in the league, and no other coach has done that. They just need to stop losing stupid games in the non-conference. Lo and behold, they lose stupid games in the non-conference, and and that wrecks your your RPR net ranking or whatever. And that's what the committee uses to get you in the tournament. You have to win those games. You have a bad loss like that. It sucks. So you work all that time. You get back to 10 and seven in the league. You go to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's, you know, coming off an 0 and 19 year in the SEC. I think they'd won one or two conference games coming in. You know, it's a place you won the year before. And I'm talking about last year in the last game they played and you get run out of the gym. You know, you, you get run out of the gym. And um, that, that's tough. Uh, and then the season gets canceled, so everything kind of pauses, okay? Uh, and there's a pause. Then, you know, this season starts back up with high expectations because you sort of think, well, th- this is this team's growing up. They're older. Uh, they do miss Mike Coatsar, uh, who's tearing it up in the European League. But you know what? They were supposed to miss Michael Carrera the year they went to the Final Four. Somebody stepped up. They were supposed to miss Chris Silva last year, and Mike Kotsar stepped up. Uh, you had Wildens Levesque, um, Alonzo Frank, who never played this year, Jalen McCrary, uh, you know, guys that had promising moments 
the year before, and you, you have to think, well, as far as the bigs go, they should be okay. Cousinard uh, has a terrible season. Uh, Seventh Woods did not have a good season at all. A.J. Lawson, second-team All-SEC, played well for the most part, still an inconsistent shooter uh, at, at key moments in games, unfortunately. Uh, I would say that he's probably clutch at times, but not clutch other times. You know, I don't think Justin Manaya played particularly well. And last year, you know, one of the things that cost them was Manaya getting hurt after – I mean, they went to A&M and blew him out. And Manaya was go. I mean, everybody, everything was kind of rolling on. I mean, I think they missed Jair Bolden a little bit in his shooting, to be honest. You know, you replaced a guy at seventh was that struggled mightily shooting. You replaced Bolden with him. Now I know Bolden had his problems on defense and stuff like that, but this team wasn't playing any defense anyway. Uh, and, and so it just all added up to disaster. Um, and, and there were moments when you thought, well, hey, they could maybe turn it around. Uh, but then it just it just never happened. And then that 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 home stretch with uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Bama. I don't think it was in that order. But you lose to Mississippi State and Ole Miss at home, and Bama that hurt. Uh, you know, I think the the oh crap moment was probably when Auburn blew them out at home this year. Uh, and then it just they just weren't competitive outside of uh, so for some reason for some reason they have Georgia's number, <laughs> and they had Georgia's number in a big way this year, but. Uh, you know, that was it. That was it. They did not play Clemson. It does not help that Clemson made the NCAA tournament again under Brad Burnell. Uh, Cause I think that the, the feeling always should be that, you know, South Carolina has got a better shot in basketball than Clemson. Although, you know, it, Clemson has its moments. If you look at the past, you know, 20, 30 years, Clemson's had its moments. Carolina's had their moments in that sport, but they're very not, they're not often, you know, haven't been often. So that brings us to Frank in the future. And, and you know, so Phil Kornblut, got to give him credit, very plausible report this weekend. Very well written, too, Phil. Not that I would expect Phil to not have a well-written article, but it was well-written, made sense. Uh, and he says Frank's gone, that uh, there's not going to be any option to come back, uh, that he's going to be presented with options, but none of those are to return uh, John Whittle on my site's been, and I've got to go with what he says on this because John is, and I, I'm, you know, we work together. He works for me. I know kind of what he's up to behind the scenes, who he's talking to, and so I, I have no reason not to believe Whittle where he says it hasn't been decided. Uh, Whittle also says he feels like that that it's going to be a change. You know that there's going to be change, uh, and I agree with him. I do. I think there's a lot of frustration all the way around. Uh, and I think that frustration has probably made the situation unworkable for South Carolina and for Frank Martin. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate because uh, unlike the Will Muschamp era where, you know, what was the high water mark for Muschamp? Went in the Outback Bowl, went in nine games, you'd say, uh, in his second year. You know, South Carolina's won the Outback Bowl before. Uh, they won the Outback Bowl under Steve Spurrier. They won it under Lou Holtz twice. They've won – it's the fourth Outback Bowl they've won. You know, Muschamp did not take the program uh, to any sort of record highs. You know, he, he did have the most wins his first three years, which was all the more reason why the, the bottom falling out was inexcusable. Uh, but, but you didn't have – you know, half the fan base didn't even want him hired. You had to kind of talk everybody into getting behind him. And every time he got behind him, it was a big game. 
you know, they'd fall flat on their face. You know, very few exceptions where the Gamecocks had a big game and uh, didn't and, and just didn't come through. And when I say uh, they're all big in the SEC, okay, so you know, and that, that was after his first year. Because I will say that Missouri game at home, his first year was a big game. Tennessee at home, first year was a big game. He won both of them, uh, and you know, because that team had to do that to survive to get to any sort of bowl. You know, so that was big. But starting with Kentucky in 2017. You know, it was just kind of like there was no breakthrough against A&M. Um, and they had them twice, very close. Obviously, the Clemson game got less and less competitive or wasn't really is never competitive uh, if you get back right down to it, other than South Carolina on offense one year, put up a bunch of yards at Death Valley. But uh, And that team obviously had some some pretty good players. <laughs> if you look at De- Debo Samuel and uh, even and Jake Bentley had a great game and, and all that. So, you know, that wasn't competitive. There was the win at Georgia. There was a win over Auburn that, that was sort of a, a good moment. But every time that happened, the next week the bottom would fall out. You know, the next week something bad would happen. Uh, and, and so that's must champ. And, and so I, I didn't ex- – there were no sheddings of tears – you know, especially among the fan base when Muschamp got out. Well, Frank's a different story. And everybody's going to yell one and nine, one and nine, one and nine. Yeah, and that's that's true. And that's why we're where we're at. Had this been six of nine in the postseason and they had, and he had a bad year, nobody's even thinking about firing the guy, you know? Nobody's even thinking about parting ways. Uh, but because of some – and look, some of it's not Frank's fault. I mean, I, you win 24 games and you're in the SEC, you know, you kind of expect to make the NCAA tournament. And obviously some people said they were going to make it and they didn't. I thought there was a lot of politicking that went on with that particular selection. You know, Vanderbilt gets in, a team the Gamecocks beat just because they had a close loss at Kansas and upset Kentucky late in the year. Uh, it just didn't make much sense to me. And I know the numbers probably said Carolina shouldn't have been in, but obviously it was a close call. The next year they get in, they go to the Final Four. The next year is a 17 and 16 deal. That's the Frank Booker team. Um, that team, to me, was kind of behind the eight ball roster-wise, but, I mean, they scrapped. And, and, heck, you had Texas Tech on the ropes, lost. Tennessee on the ropes twice and lost. You know, you win those three games. You win at Ole Miss early in the year. You win those four games. You're back in the tournament. Then, then there's the year that they started off terribly with inexplicable losses, got blown out by Walford at home, blah, blah, blah. And then they turn it around and go 11-7 and seven in the league. So so you're thinking, well, that, you know. And that, that, that team right after the Final Four could have been an NIT team in other years. So could the next team. Last year definitely was an NIT team, should have been an NCAA team, though. And then you got here. So when you look at it, there's there's been progress in terms of versus the history, uh, especially within the league, but nothing to show for it besides the Final Four, which is a big deal. And I, and I think that, you know, in, in athletics, you can put – you know, a, it's always about putting putting things in the bank, you know, put like putting money in the bank. If you win, 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 and then you have a bad year, nobody's going to fire you, okay, uh, because you're putting money in the bank. Uh, I, I think especially 
once you get past that year five or six of a rebuild, um, you know, had Will Muschamp continued to win, go to bowls, progress, progress. And then he gets to a year seven where he's got a bunch of injuries and they go four and eight. You know, they're going to look at the previous six, seven years and go, oh, no, that's fine. Now, in his situation, the reason I said maybe you make a change is because in year four of a rebuild, um, you know, when you're talking about it being a five-year rebuild, you, you can't go four and eight. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And then, then there was two and eight this past year against an all-SEC schedule. Um, so it didn't get much better. Uh, but uh, in basketball and, and in when you, when you break through like going to a final four, uh, you know, that, that's a lot of money in the bank. That's a big deal. Uh, and, and so you're hesitant to make a change, but when you're four years removed from that and it's the same story every year where close, but no cigar. And then this year wasn't close. You're not trending in the right direction. And, uh, you know, Phil Kornblut's article said something about Ray Tanner being concerned about the recruiting. i continue to say the definition of recruiting is to bring enough players into your program to where you can compete in your conference and compete for the NCAA tournament. And he's done that. Um, now this year, those players did not play well. He did not coach well. It, it, it was a disaster. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know when you look at this team that you go, man, these guys just can't play. I mean, I do. I think there needs to be, uh, all right, sorry. needs to be, let me back up because because I <laughs> needs to be is a is a loaded deal. Would I like to see somebody that's a sharpshooter out there that can nail threes and you know all that good stuff? Yes, especially with the style of play they were playing this year because it's all about outscoring people. These guys aren't consistent enough shooters to do that. Um, you know, yes. I, I, what I would really like to have seen is for these guys to buy in on defense, which they never did all year, because there are all these big, long, athletic guys that, that when they want to play defense are really good at it. Everybody remember the first half at LSU this season when they had LSU kind of on the ropes? They were playing good defense, and then they stopped. So, you know, that, that's the deal there. I, I don't know that – I think there's a difference between, like, recruiting overall and in-state recruiting. Now, in-state recruiting, yeah, you have to be concerned. Um, I don't think that's on Frank. I think any coach that comes in here is going to have problems with that. But at the same time, you know, there are some guys you'd like to see him get. And there are some, you know, recruiting wins you would have liked to have seen him get after the Final Four. You know, you go to a Final Four, you kind of hope that, hey, you know, some of these guys are going to start coming our way. And and it hasn't, hasn't happened that. So it says Ray Tanner's concerned about the recruiting. I, I don't necessarily share those recruit uh, concerns overall. But I uh, – I do think that's the way you get better in any sport is you, you got to recruit ball players and, you know, you can do it any way you want. I mean, Frank's sort of gone international a lot and gotten some really good players. Uh, you know, like I said, Mike Coates is, is an example of that. Chris Silva is on an NBA roster is an example of that. Uh, those guys came from other countries. You know, he can, he can find players, but I also know that now that this group sort of tanked that, it's still the case that since Frank McGuire, that there's been no good South Carolina basketball run without in-state talent, at least a couple of guys, you know, uh, at least a Brandon Wallace and Carlos Powell, or, or at least a Devin Downey and Zam Frederick, or at least a Thornwell and Dozier and, and Justin Mackey. 
uh, role player. You know, I mean, that, that Final Four team was not loaded with in-state guys like Eddie Fogler's SEC championship teams were. Uh, that Final Four team had two in-state guys that were really good, and Dozier played really well in the tournament. Uh, and then a guy from Canada, a guy from Gabon, and a guy from Estonia. That was the starting five. <laughs> so you don't have to have your entire roster made up of South Carolina kids, but history shows us, you know, that, and, and until somebody does it, it can't be done. Now, there's people out there that don't agree that think, well, you know, you can go out of state and get guys. And, and, and I, I'm not shutting that down. I'm just saying that at this point, after the, you know, surprising flop of the Lawson, Cousinard, Bryant group that, at this point, you're like, well, yeah, it's they're just they don't play well unless they've got in-state guys. I don't know why that is. So, as I've said before, if somebody can come or turn around the in-state recruiting, uh, and I'm not saying they got to go sign Zion Williamson every year. Uh, I'm saying you know, quit losing guys to Tennessee and Alabama, Georgia and Ole Miss <laughs> in basketball. Um, you know, sign me up, sign me up, because, you know, obviously there needs to be a different path taken. And and that was what Cornblue's article said. And like I said, I've got to go with what Whittle says, that no decision's been made. Um, going into the meetings, which should take place today, but I'll say this, I, I, I tend to also agree that it looks like change is coming. So which way do they go? And uh, I don't have great basketball sources. I have good basketball sources. Not great. So I'm just going to tell you the names I've heard. And I uh, had a, heard an interesting one Friday, Bobby Hurley from Arizona State. We all remember Bobby Hurley when he played for Duke. I think that'd be a really good get. Uh, Carolina's never – you know, every time you've heard the Johnny Dawkins, Johnny Dawkins or Tommy Amaker come up for the job or Jeff Capel, I mean, there's been Duke guys that have, you know, been in the mix for this job over the years, but they've never hired one. Um, and, uh, Bobby Hurley certainly is a name guy, you know, you, you kind of think about Hurley. He's, he's not Don Staley, um, you know, as far as name being synonymous with basketball, but he's a big name and, uh, you know, he's recruited well at Arizona state. That's the number two, it's a second tier job in Arizona. Although U of A is really struggling right now with, uh, their NCAA issues and things like that. But, you know, and, and ASU in all sports is considered a sleeping giant. But, uh, you know, they've been better than the Gamecocks over the years. But, uh, you know, I heard maybe he wants back east or something like that. Who knows? Who knows if that's legit or not, but that's a name I've heard. Pat Kelsey from Winthrop is a name I've heard. Obviously, Bob Ritchie's name from Furman has been in there. Uh, you know, the, the guy from App State, his name escapes me, is a name I've heard. Uh, and then, of course, the number one name I've heard is Mike Boynton, uh, who's at Oklahoma State. They uh, they had kind of a breakthrough year this year, plus. And I know how he did it. I know he signed the uh, – he hired the brother of the number one player in the country. But, man, sometimes you got to do that, right? I mean, sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> it's a, I mean, you know, you, you got to do it. Uh, he's 20-8 and eight this year, 11-7. and seven. Um, and, uh, it, you know, he, uh, they lost the big 12 title game, but they went to it. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you, you look at it and they beat Baylor, they beat West Virginia, 
back to back times. I, I just, uh, I just don't, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with this year. Plus he only makes around a million bucks. He was promoted, uh, but he's a South Carolina guy. You know, he has a lot of uh, passion for the university of South Carolina and for the job. Uh, he, he was one blue collar player that Eddie Fogler signed towards the end of his career. He didn't really get off the bench much uh, until Odom got there and he got better and better and better. And the last year he was there, he was filling it up from three and was one of the best players on the team. Uh, and so <laughs> he, uh, he did pretty good and was part of that 2004 NCAA tournament team that uh, Dave Odom's only trip to the NCAA tournament. So I, I think that's, you know, there's something to be said uh, about that completely. So, you know, we'll just kind of kind of see what happens uh, with regards to to Michael Boynton and if Boynton can end up uh, being the guy, or if he elects to stay at Oklahoma State. Now, I'll say I'll say this: if if I'm him, uh, and unless I'm just burning up to come back to my alma mater, I, I'm going to think long and hard about it because. You got a good situation at Oklahoma State. They're going to give you a contract extension. You're finally winning. But uh, it's um, – you're finally winning. But then, um, you know, maybe you, you go back uh, and, and you run into the thing at Carolina where, where, where you, you got to rebuild a little bit. Then all of a sudden people are going to point to – Ah, uh, he's only been to five NCAA tournaments or, or one NCAA tournament in eight years of coaching. You know, and I've seen that happen. That happened to Will Muschamp. You know, now Will Muschamp's traje- trajectory at South Carolina was nothing like Mike Boynton's, but they held the Florida thing against him. I, I don't know. You know, and, and the other thing about it is one of my rules. You know, as I've followed coaching searches and all, uh, is is beware the guy that has one big year. You know, so, so what we have to ask ourselves about Mike Boynton is is this one big year or is this a gradual build? I, I look at it and I'm like, well, you know, it's not that he's had they, bad years. They're just non-NCAA tournament years. I mean, he went NIT his first year to the quarterfinals. Uh, the next year was a disaster at 12 and 20. The next year, 18 and 14, was heading back to the NIT. Uh, and then this year, NCAA tournament and – went all the way to the Big 12 Conference Championship, get 71 and 57 is his record uh, at Oklahoma State. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that he didn't take over necessarily a bad situation, but he uh, – I don't think he took over the greatest situation. Brad Underwood was there for a year, went to the NIT and left. Obviously, there was a change to Brad Underwood, and so they weren't doing so well. So, I – I don't know. You know, I, I tend to think that, you know, that's what you got to dig in on and decide about if you're Ray Tanner or if you're a fan and you have an opinion on it with Mike Boynton is, or, you know, is, is this the culmination of a rebuild this year or is this one good year like Darren Horn, you know, uh, and Horn was at a mid-major that, that consistently went to the NCAA tournament before he was there. And then he was only in his fifth year. Did he get there, get back? Um, I don't know that that's this, just looking at it, just my opinion. I'm with you as far as – or those of you that like the one big year thing. In general, I'm kind of – but, you know, this year, I think – 
And as some people have told me, uh, you know, his coaching has gotten better and better and better. I mean, it, it's not – I mean, this guy worked for Mike Young. He worked for Eddie Fogler. He did work for Darren Horn. But he also worked for Frank Martin. Uh, I think it, I think Cliff Ellis was his coach at Coastal when he was there. But uh, – and worked for Brad Underwood, you know, who obviously has a number one seed right now. Uh, and, and his program at Oklahoma State's done pretty well. I, I think, and they're back in the tourney and all that. And the recruiting has been out, even outside of Cade Cunningham, he's been, uh, it's been good. He's had, he's gotten some players out there. So, so if you're talking about leaders in the clubhouse right now, I, I do think, you know, as far as from what I've heard, Boynton would be kind of what I would think would be the, the first point of speculation. But I've also heard all those other names, too. So I wouldn't call him the front runner, just the first point of speculation. Like, people are going to go, oh, Mike, they're going to they're gonna attach his name to the job right away. And I could see a lot of positives with him taking the job. I, I think that, you know, I, Frank Martin has a passion for the job, for sure. Uh, but Mike Boynton also does. And so I think you got to replace passion with passion. And uh, it's his alma mater. And, you know, he has a stake in it, having played there and spent a ton of his career within the state of South Carolina. I mean, you're talking about, you know, from 04 to 2013, almost a decade at Furman, Coastal, Walford, and then Carolina. So you got to think he's got some connections within the state. Uh, you know, and obviously has some connections in New York, where he's from, from Brooklyn. Uh, those are all good places to recruit historically. <laughs> And so, uh, and he can work the AAU circuit and all that. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. Once things happen, we can kind of hash out Mike Boynton and whoever else is, is in the mix for the job. I, I can tell you, I like just about everybody that's come up. I mean, I don't, there, there's not, there's not like, unless Ray Tanner goes and hires John Beeline, which if I were him, I'd at least call. I don't know if he will. Uh, I said Rick Patino before, but after digging into Patino and his situation in Iona, I, I just don't think it's achievable. Even if South Carolina were to write the $10 million check, I just don't know that at this point in his career that he – that I think he's trying to build the Gonzaga of the East Coast at Iona. And uh, I think that's – he wants that to be his crowning achievement. And so that's, that's, that's fine right there with Patino. But I do think uh, – you know, I, I do think that John Beeline obviously is out there. He's 68, but – I mean, I, who cares? <laughs> you know, the guy can coach basketball. Uh, so beyond a hire like that, when you get into the the, the pool, you know, I, I think, you know, your, your high major guys like Boynton and, and Hurley would be good. I, I think Pat Kelsey would be good. Uh, I think Bob Ritchie would be good. I know he can't seem to get out of the, of the Southern Conference tournament, but I know what he's all about. And I think he would do a good job and he wants the job very badly. Uh, you know, maybe thinks about that. Indiana fired Archie Miller today. Indiana did not go to the NCAA tournament all four years he was there. So probably not a good time for the Miller family because Sean at Arizona probably will get fired too. And so I don't I don't know. Poor uh, – that Indiana job is really interesting to me because it continues uh, to chew coaches up and spit them out post-Bobby Knight. Uh, and, and you want to talk about a place that cares about basketball. You know, I, I never thought – when they hired Tom Allen for football and Archie Miller for basketball, that 
uh, Archie Miller would be getting fired and Tom Allen would be the big, 12, big 10 coach of the year. <laughs> you know, that just goes to show you it's crazy these days. So anyway, that's the latest on Frank. I will say this, if there is something that comes down tonight or tomorrow, uh, I'll be right here with an emergency pod. Hopefully I can get Whittle to come on with me. Probably not though. He's probably going to be busy, but I'll, we'll roll all that out and have a nice postmortem about the Martin era and then look forward more. Okay. Mailbag. To get to the mailbag, you tweet to at the Bigs per pod or you email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And that's always a good uh, way to get interactive here. And I appreciate I appreciate these because it makes the show fun to do. It's usually just me here. So that's uh that's always good. So Joe Sports Caller says. T tweets, tweeted to at the Bigs per pod. Be sure to follow that on Twitter at the Bigs per pod. Also follow inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. We got a little Instagram account and all that. He says, I like Frank Martin and I appreciate the final four. However, can we really expect a tournament appearance in 2022? I know it's a hard job, but that would be one in 10 years. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the concern. And, and I think, I think what you're looking at either way is, and it's almost, I hesitate to say this because, I um, I said this about Muschamp. I'm like, if you're going to give him one more year, you got to give him two um, with bringing in Bobo and all that. And, and what I meant by that was if he gets back to a bowl, you know. And I think, I think everybody in the South Carolina administration was in lockstep with me on that. Like, okay, then, you know, we're not going to sit here and say, okay, you went seven and six. We want to do a little better than that. Let's fire you after we didn't fire you after four and eight. Uh, but Muschamp and staff, they didn't do that. They went south. Okay, so you, you got – you're fired. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the bottom line. Um, with Frank Martin, I don't, I don't even know that it's like that. I, I think if you give him year 10, you probably should give him year 11 because you're, you're going to have massive roster turnover. Uh, go stay or, stay or leave, I'm anticipating that. Uh, and I think when you talk about recruiting, one of the concerns is, you know, Frank hadn't had a lot of luck. He's had good luck in terms of getting guys in from the portal that can play, you know, that the, the, the probably do better than they did their previous spot. But a lot of times it just it hadn't worked out, Seth, starting with Seventh Woods. You know, Jair Bolden, you know, helped Carolina win games last year, but he's out after a year. You know, you, you go all the way back to – Oh, the kid from Delaware, I can't remember. Colby, he ended up coming to being hurt and having to go to Southern Miss. Uh, and then you got your, your Trey Campbells and Frank Bookers of the world that, you know, came in from Georgetown, and then Booker came from FAU via Oklahoma. Uh, and those guys actually were better under Frank than, than they were previously. You know, Wes Myers was a guy like that. But, but you're talking about having to go get a lot of guys, you know, to, to keep it above water next year because there, there's not a lot of I mean you know you, you're gonna have to be very resourceful and you know if you're Frank Martin probably do something different in recruiting than you previously have and um I just don't know that you know he, he's shown the ability to do that I think he's shown the ability at, to be a really good basketball coach I think he's shown the ability to over time put together a roster that can compete in the SEC I, I don't know that uh, he's shown the ability off season to go, um, you know, get that. And, and you look kind of after the final four, you know, yeah, they had to piece it together because they lost Dozier and Felder and all that. But, 
you know, there was, you know, it wasn't just like, hey, they could go get players. I mean, there were some players that, you know, they didn't, they couldn't quite close the deal on. Um, and, and so that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're Frank Martin or the administration is, uh, are you going to be able to, with big roster turnover this year, put something on the court next year that can get the Gamecocks back to the back, back to the postseason, you know, back to the NIT? Uh, and I don't, I don't know that answer. I don't know that answer. So, and, and I would think that given Frank's track record, he probably needs two. You know, probably needs two. But anyway, that's uh, that's the answer there. I don't think there's a chance in Hades that he's getting two and able to go six and whatever next year. I just don't think it's going to happen. But you know, if he gets back to the NIT, you know, I think you got to got to give him two years, just like I said with Muschamp. So, uh, but but it's different in the sense that I don't. You know, I just don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that's going to happen. Um, all right. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Dean says, got two questions. Enjoy the podcast. Who's on South Carolina's recruiting board now that Bailey and Allure have committed? Um, Lots of guys. I mean, Jacob Berger from Myrtle Beach is a guy that's on there. You know, that uh, Tevin Jackson from Indiana got an offer, but they're not Carolina's not having any interest. Tevin Carter from Memphis is a guy. Um, Ashton Daniels from Buford is uh, a guy I like, sort of. A Buford, Georgia, not Buford, South Carolina. Uh, Penn State's got two quarterbacks committed: Bo Pribula, Pribula, Pribula. That's his name. Uh, is committed in addition to to Drew. Uh, he's from York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania kid. So maybe the Gamecocks try to say, hey, look, they took this other guy. Why don't you come with us? But I think this is going to shake out in camp. Uh, again, I don't know that they're going to stop talking to Tanner Bailey. I wouldn't if I were them. Maybe they will. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't give them on Tanner Bailey just yet. But uh, that's kind of where things are at. It's, it's like wait till camp. And now that it looks like there's going to be camps, you know, that's the deal there. So, uh, you know, so there we go. And number two, there's two questions from Dean. What's your thoughts about what Frank Martin said about cheating? Do you think that's why he can't keep talent in state? Maybe they are going for better offers. Thanks for your time, Dean. I don't have any comment on that because uh, I don't have any tangible proof of anything. <laughs> Let's just say basketball recruiting is a very interesting world. Uh, and, and I'm glad I don't cover it. And I'll just leave it at that. All right. Mitchell says, JC, the Frank situation is complex. I agree. All right, so this is Mitch. We have a Mitchell. So this is Mitch. He reset this roster after P.J. Dozier left for the NBA with a young nucleus. Uh, Kusinar, Bryant, Maniah, young Hannibal, capable big men, some transfers. People throw around the term this should be a free year because of COVID, but it's not. No, it's not. Um, like I said, Archie Miller just got fired. It was a tough year that took a toll on all involved. Frank's contract was honored. He got paid. Some guys will leave to pursue the G League overseas or transfer. I, I agree with you there. The last two years were supposed to be the payoff for the investment in this young roster, and COVID did a lot to ruin those seasons. I, I agree, and I, I don't agree that COVID was a problem last year because we were kind of – pre-COVID before things stopped abruptly. But obviously, obviously you don't know if South Carolina, but South Carolina in the AC, they would have had to have made it till Sunday to Sunday, I think, 
uh, at the SEC tournament after that loss to Vandy. You know, you beat Vandy, I think you make it to Saturday, you're going to be all right. But uh, I think they would have to make it to Sunday. I don't, I don't know if they could have done that. But, yeah, COVID denied them the opportunity. Uh, he says, do you think giving Frank more and more year is an option? Um, I would say yes, based on what John Whittle's reporting, but it doesn't look that way. I'm not confident that will happen. Uh, and what do you think the roster looks like with Frank next year? Uh, very new, lots of new faces. What do you think it looks like without Frank? Very new, lots of new faces. Are we in a situation, uh, reset, where it's with or without Frank and we need to commit to another four years of a coach in terms of a contract? I don't think four. I think you're keeping Frank, you need to give him a two-year extension. Carolina's not wanting to do that at all, though. At all. Uh, and so there you have it. You know, you're, you're probably going to try to get you know, get out of the, the deal. And so there you go. Great questions, Mitch. Always appreciate uh, appreciate your comments. My man Spence says, AJC, great shows as always. I just listened to your podcast about Martin. I'm really struck by your steadfast defense of Martin. It feels as though you won't touch the things that I think many would agree on. His recruiting is mediocre at best and very rarely can grand land true difference makers. I don't agree with that. I think that there are potential difference makers. I think, you know, you look at the guys he's brought through the program, that they all make a difference and, and could at another school. However, do, do you, you know, are you talking about landing the, the transformational guy like Cade Cunningham or Zion Williamson or somebody like that? Yeah, you're right. He hadn't gotten those guys. I mean, just the John Morant situation alone is extremely frustrating, extremely frustrating. Uh, but, but if you want to talk about like his recruiting as far as the re- not not the rankings, but the reality of it, it's middle of the pack SEC. Uh, and then he's gotten into the upper part of the SEC standings wise because you know when, when they buy in, his defensive style is tough. Um, you know, and, and there are, has been some skill and some heart at times. Um, but but that's the reality. I mean, in South Carolina doesn't. It's not like you look at that team and go, God, there's a bunch of terrible players. It's a terrible team as a team with good players and a good coach, which happens from time to time in sports. Uh, but, but yeah, if you're looking for a boost in recruiting it, it, and that's my opinion, Spence, you know, other people don't share that opinion and that's fine too. And look, people I trust in basketball share that opinion, you know, and I don't know if they're just looking at the rankings and not the players or, or maybe they're evaluating the guys on the court better than I can. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, 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 that's not, that's just my opinion on it because I believe that fundamentally recruiting is about putting a roster together and fielding a team. And then you can kind of judge sometimes about talent with what they do after they leave. And then they've all done a good job. I mean, Silva's stuck on a roster, you know, Thornwell's danced around the league. Dozier's still playing well. Now those were big time recruits, five stars. Thornwell and Dozier probably aren't, uh, the best examples, but Silva said Kotsar is doing really well. Carrera's playing internationally. I mean, these guys, I mean, I don't think it's a situation where you look at it and you go, ah, nobody, these guys can't play dead in a movie. So, um, so there you go. Number two, high level kids these days do not want to play for a psycho style like him. Uh, I, I think the sensitive types certainly don't like you know, what he does on the sidelines, but I, I'll back up and say that it's, it's unfair because he's not, he's not Bob Knight. 
you know, there, there hasn't been a single player that's played for Frank Martin. And these days, you guys know this, people will, people will play the verbal abuse card like champions. You know, verbally abusive, verbally abusive. They'll, they'll play that crazy, you know, if, if things don't go their way and, and all that. Now, you can't be verbally abusive these days, you know, uh, and, and all that. And if you're truly verbally abusive, you're going to get called out on it. Uh, but, you know, Frank Martin's no different than Tom Izzo or any of these guys. He just – I think he's a big, tall guy that looks intimidating and talks tough, uh, you know, and, and so it look it comes across different than when Tom Izzo does it. Uh, and and I, I just I, – I think if you make him change that, it, it just ends up – he ends up screwing the pooch. I mean, that's just not him, you know. So – and I don't think that – the vast majority of guys don't want to play for him. I think that there's a section that probably is scared off by that. And I think other schools use it in recruiting along with other things about South Carolina. Um, so, you know, th- that's my take on that. All right. In-state recruiting is abysmal. And to be true, you have mentioned this, but why? Because the coaches hate him. <sighs> Again, I don't know of any coaches that hate Frank Martin. I mean, I, I think that, you know, they probably don't know him <laughs> if that's the case, and that's on them. Uh, and four, no AAU support. This is another big one, and he's failed to mend those fences. Now, he's now I just the number four part, I completely disagree. He's tried his butt off <laughs> uh, to mend those fences with the AAU guys. Just, you know, they, they, it's a hard no. Uh, and then Under Armour, go to Nike and things improve. I don't think that's the magic bullet everybody says. Not to mention the AAU scene as Nike and Adidas controls. Um, you know, I, I, here's the deal about that. It, that has to be a university thing. Uh, Under Armour teams, South Carolina, Auburn, Texas Tech, they've all been to Final Fours. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's – I think that's something that could help, but I don't think that's a magic bullet. Uh, and I also don't feel like, you know, uh, at the end of the day that uh, – you know, that's that's the biggest one of all these deals. So so that's my deal there with, with that. Yeah, so Nike is not, to me, a, a magic bullet for any of the sports. I, I would like to see Carolina go to Nike. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I would – Under Armour's lost me with their uh, crappy football uniform designs. And, and maybe, maybe Muschamp or Tanner should have done something about this, but – you know, in football, they were going to go to the whole, you know, players pick their uniforms every week, which I'm not a fan of, because you basically were just match, mixing and matching different colors every week. I would have liked to have seen them step up and say, all right, we're going to design, you know, we're going to, do you want to be the Oregon of the East? Because they did this for Maryland. They did this for Maryland. We're going to design special Carolina uniforms, make them really snazzy and make it a big deal. But it was just like, okay, we're going to, go all black this day, and then we're going to look like NC State some days, and then we're going to look like Texas Tech some days. And it just – so it's Under Armour lost me there. I think Nike or Adidas, either one, would be pretty good uh, moves, uh, particularly Nike. But, look, I don't expect them – to me, it's not that important right now uh, unless Under Armour gets out of the contract, which they've done with several schools to do it. Number six, Spence says, fan fatigue and his style. Now, his style, I like. The style of play, now, do they need more shooters? Absolutely. It would be great if they had guys that could shoot because I think that's what people talk about and talk about style. You know, it's Brick City. They miss layups. 
they miss uh, free throws, they get out of control and, and, you know, miss dunks. I mean, it's, you know, that's not style. That's just more, you know, they, they need guys that can shoot a little better. And maybe, maybe that's what talent is. Maybe that's why recruiting is not good. Maybe they need to recruit shooters, but his style of play is watch the NCAA tournament run. That's an exciting brand of basketball, you know, and it's not like they didn't go up and down the court. They put 65 on Duke in the second half. I mean, that's uh it's defense based, but so was Nolan Richardson at Arkansas. And that that's the idea behind, you know, Frank Martin's teams. And that's why he's been successful. So I, I think the style uh, would work, uh, but you got to have buy-in, you know, uh, Spence says time to move on, but can you at least go a little less protective? I'm not, I'm not protecting uh, Frank Martin. I, 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 I have a great respect for him as a person. Uh, I think that he's been, misunderstood a lot by folks around South Carolina uh, and mainly because they don't pay attention unless there's success. Uh, I mean, he could have run for governor in 2017, but other than that, they just kind of tune him out and ignore him. And I think that, um, I think he's a good leader. Uh, I think that, you know, wins and losses do not necessarily, he's right when he says, I don't let that define me. And, and he's right. Because again, there's a disconnect there. There's a feeling out there among fans uh, and school presidents and whoever else that he's this Bob Knight guy that's going to embarrass the program, but he's not, he's just a passionate demonstrative guy on the sidelines. And, you know, he looks like the abominable snowman sometimes when he gets after you, cause he's this big, huge guy and rah, 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 you know, um, but I'm not protecting the results. I, I, I this, this year has been a disaster. It's been disappointing. Uh, and if you notice, Spence, I have not sat here and advocated for, for Frank Martin's return. I, I feel like it, it, it's on both ends. It's probably best to move on. And I'll, I'll pull for Frank Martin um, no matter no matter what, uh, no matter where he lands. And, and hopefully he lands uh, at a school that cares about basketball a lot, maybe one that doesn't have a football program. Uh, and um, I hope he lands there and uh, and actually uh, you know makes some things happen. I don't think he's done coaching. I really don't. And I think you know, I, and I I don't wish for Carolina fans to be sitting here going, "Wow, we got rid of him and now he's in the Final Four again." Uh, I don't wish that to happen, certainly. Uh, but I do wish him the most success, as I do Carolina basketball. You know, when I grew up, basketball was the first sport I really understood. Basketball and baseball because Football was a little complex for me when I was eight. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of pulled for Carolina basketball before football and uh, starting with the George Felton era. So uh, it, it, me personally, it, it means a lot for South Carolina to have a good men's basketball program. I think up until the last few years after the final four, uh, I've always felt like South Carolina could be a top three or four job in the SEC just because of the history. Uh, you know, and maybe I've come off of that a little bit just because I, I'm kind of stunned that this didn't work out for Frank Martin. Um, I remember when he's hired, I thought that was, you know, the way to go. So I don't know. I think, and I think what this program also needs is consistency. Uh, I think when you look at the last three years prior to this year, it was consistent. He kept it kind of above water. But then when you're at a crossroads and where you, when you have that season where you can cycle back up, you have to cycle up. You can't cycle down. 
and and that's what happened there. So uh, I may come across as protective. That's just because of the respect I have for the guy. Uh, I, I've not sat here to advocate it for another year or a contract extension or anything like that. Uh, I think that, you know, when they meet later uh, today, hopefully, and come to a resolution that, you know, that both sides are going to have to figure it out. I do not have confidence they're going to figure out a way for him to stay. Maybe they will. Uh, and at that point, you know, you're looking at another a roster turnover next year. There's going to be roster turnover anyway. Uh, and so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, certainly, you know, if you look at my post and, and on the board on BigSperma.com and you listen to the podcast, I, I'm trying to be fair. I think Frank Martin deserves that. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I've been talking about potential replacements. <laughs> so uh, it's not like I'm just sitting here going, ah, nah, Frank needs to come back. Frank needs to come back. Uh, if they can work it out and, and he comes back, great, get behind him. But I just I just feel like there's so much frustration on all ends of the situation that, you know, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna work out. So that's the bottom line. Spence, as always, brother, thank you for your emails. That's uh, they're always enlightening. I don't always agree with you. But uh, they're always enlightening. So keep those emails coming. Again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And that's all the time on this first episode. Well, I'm going to say first episode of today. We, we won't have, if something comes down with the basketball later today, we'll have an emergency pod. Otherwise, it'll linger into tomorrow uh, and all that. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. This has been Inside the Gamecocks podcast. JC Sherbert signing off. Everyone have a wonderful Monday. We'll talk to you soon.